This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. For me, uh, darkest day I, I've had uh, when, when I've been to the club. Of course, it feels uh, hard when you, uh, your uh, closest rivals and they beat you like this. We had a bad day last year, you know, Tottenham 6-1 with 10 men. This feels miles worse because of, of course, the, uh, the, uh, the way we lost. They were clinical. Uh, we made it an open game, too open in the first half, and they, they took their chances, we didn't. And that's the way they finished their chances was the, was, well, that was the nail in the coffin for us. We still, uh, we come in next day, work hard, clever, have to sort out this. Of course, we've got to start getting clean sheets and we've got to work on the players' mindset because I understand how players feel now, probably as low as they've ever felt, uh, rock bottom, and then uh, you've got to make sure that you go into the next game uh, with the right frame of mind. This is On The Ball on BFM 89.9. A stay of execution means that Ole will be at the wheel this weekend when Man United visit Tottenham. Much to discuss. Hi there. Thanks for joining me, Ross. It is the Friday show. Some say the most fun show of the two that we do. I like them both. I like them both. Uh, joining me as usual, we've got Craig Marias. Hello, Craig. Hello. How are you doing, boys? Uh, great to be on. And uh, yeah, after last week's humiliation, um, trying to forget about that and look forward to this weekend. Yeah, unfortunately, Des Corkill will probably remind you and me uh, a few uh, about last week hey des hi yeah i am actually still glorying in it because it was wonderful in the catastrophe for united and in the the glory for liverpool so um i'm still on a high but as i say that's gone well, as craig says that's gone gotta look forward to the next game special guest this weekend no bob holmes he's on the beach sunning himself somewhere yeah, take that picture out of your mind right now. <laughs> In this place and filling it very well. We've got ex-Singapore captain R. Sasikuma. Hello, Sasi. Hey, Ross. Hi, guys. Good to be back on the show, I think. Yeah, I was uh, yes, on the show. Yes, you, you've been on before. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and of course, Sasi has a sports radio show uh, twice over the weekend on Singapore Airwaves. And I understand Des is a regular as well, so... Look forward to that. All right. Uh, so much to talk about. We heard Ole at the start. We'll talk about United later. Let's get all the midweek Carabao Cup out of the way. Uh, West Ham nil, Man City nil. West Ham win 5-3 on penalties. Uh, I just read this amazing stat, see that Man City have lost their first Carabao Cup game since 2016. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my Lord, they won four. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's amazing because I read the same stat before coming on the show as well. So I was like, uh, and the picture uh, following that caption was of Dave, David Moyes, right? So they said, wow, <laughs> look at how, how great David Moyes is. Uh, I, I know him from his time as an Everton manager. So, um, but good, good that, you know, City finally get beaten. But, um, you know, West Ham are a, are a tough team to play. Yeah. I mean, for any team in the league, they're one of those teams that, you wish you don't play because you don't know what sort of West Ham is going to turn up, right? So, yeah, but uh, nevertheless, I thought it was a great result for them and maybe one more less competition for City to focus on this season. Mm, true, true. But then it's it's already been renamed the Man City Cup, hasn't it? 
but but West Ham, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about them. They're in league action. Everything's coming up roses with the Hammers. I understand they want to extend the London Stadium to get more fans in. So it is really good times under David Moyes at the moment. Speaking of good times, Liverpool won two 0 away at Preston. And well, of course, it's a, it was a shadow Liverpool side to the one that played at Old Trafford at the weekend. Uh, Takumi Minamino and Divock Origi with a with a kind of scorpion backheel flick goal. That's Corkill. That was nice. Yeah, my only concern for Liverpool at the moment is that everything, everything is going right. Even in the 5-0, every VAR decision went Liverpool's way. Origi scores the scorpion kick, Minamino's in. So people are saying, oh, Liverpool don't have depth. And then Origi and Minamino both score and a, a load of kids come through and win a, a, an awkward tie at a, a pumping Preston. Um, my, that's my only concern for Liverpool at the moment is that just everything is going right and somewhere along the season there will be blips and you immediately think African Cup of Nations and you lose Salah, you lose Mane, you lose Keita. Um, but enjoy it while it's going on because everything is turning up roses. And Liverpool haven't done well in the League Cup in recent years and now you're in the quarterfinals. It suddenly gets interesting. It suddenly gets a trophy. Oh, yeah. Ah. That'd be quite nice to, to win, certainly to make the final. And so, uh, whereas Man City are out, Liverpool now have that extra complication in many ways of do they put out full teams for the latter stages of, of the League Cup? Because Liverpool, don't forget, won it four times in a row as well in the 80s um, under various guises. But that's the only problem with Liverpool at, at, at the moment, that just everything is going right. Sooner or later, something will go wrong. I, I, yeah, yeah, folks, you just heard someone moaning that everything is going right for him at the moment. Yeah, um, Des picked four numbers at the weekend. I think he's coming up with another two. two. <laughs> uh, Leicester, I tell you what, uh, for Brendan Rogers and Leicester City, it is also going right for them. They drew 2 2 with Brighton, but they won 4 2 on penalties. Leicester are going from strength to strength, so much so, Craig, that uh, I was reading even Brendan Rodgers' name being linked to the supposed soon-to-be-vacant Man United spot. Uh, yeah, but I've also read reports that he's uh, waiting to replace Pep Guardiola at City as well. Um, so, you know, which one do you believe? Uh, probably, probably the latter, to be fair. And he's doing well at Leicester, isn't he? I mean, he's, he's a fantastic manager. Um, I remember coming on this show, actually, a few years back when uh, when we sat Mourinho, I think it was, um, and Rodgers was still at Celtic. And um, you asked me, you know, who do I want as manager? And um, I, I said, Brendan Rodgers. And uh, I, I rate him. I think he's an absolutely fantastic coach um, and the football that Leicester play. Um, and, and he's doing absolute wonders at, at Leicester as well with, you know, the FA Cup win. Um, but you look at the team that he puts out and not only uh, the Carabao Cup, but also the, um, the, the Europa League as well. And, you know, he's showing that he's got depth there. Um, you've got, you know, Jamie Vardy, who's what, 30, 35 years old, still scoring goals. But they manage him really well. They know they have to manage him well. They went out, they bought Dhaka in the summer. Um, who's, who's proving to be a really good player. Very unlucky that he's not getting probably enough minutes in the Premier League. But they bought him for a reason to kind of ease him into that. Uh, but they bought him primarily to, to play backup to, to uh, Jamie Vardy. Mm. Uh, but the depth, as you saw in the League Cup match, it's there. I mean, we talk about all the big teams having that depth. I mean, City started with 
with Kevin De Bruyne. I think Gundogan played as well. And, and that's who, who they went with. They didn't really rest players. They, I mean, they played a fairly strong squad there. Um, key players, key first-team players played that match. So uh, you look at Leicester and you're thinking, wow, okay, Chowdhury's playing, uh, Lookman's playing. So, um, yeah, it's very, very impressive from Rodgers. And, and you talked about, you know, Liverpool doing the same thing. Uh, they, they're into the latter stages. There's some big teams in there still. Yeah. Don't forget, you know, yeah. Chelsea, Chelsea is still there. Arsenal had a good win against Leeds. So it's going to be really interesting come uh, towards the end of the competition. Um, Brendan Rodgers, as a manager, Sassy, uh, A, do you rate him? And B, is, is there a, a bigger club for the likes of Brendan Rodgers? Or, or do you reckon he's got to stay at Leicester? That's, where, that's the club he makes great. Uh, I'm going to say no. The reason why, I'll tell you why. Because a couple of years ago, I was at the PFA Awards and I went up to him to ask for a photograph because my brother is a big Liverpool fan. And guess what he said? No. So, you know, <laughs> so since then, I've, I've not been a big fan of his. But uh, coming back to football, let's talk about football. Uh, I think he's a decent manager. Um, and in my opinion, I thought that he's done a, a, a very good job with a Leicester side. And what's been more impressive about him is the way that he's gone on to buy a couple of players. I think we've seen in the last couple of seasons with uh, Premier League managers who just splash out the cash and not really uh, buy these good players, right? And not necessarily mm. they, they, you know, light up the league. But you look at the likes of Rafa Benitez, uh, it's, it's quite evident that he's bought two players that have really contributed to Everton. And when you look at Le- Leicester City and you look at Brendan Rodgers, he seemed to get the best, best players. Uh, you look at Soinchu, who came in, in, in at, the, uh, at the back for them as well. They didn't pay a lot of money for him. you got Lukman, you've got uh, Dhaka, and he's got a lot of ac- academy products uh, now coming through as well. If you, if you look at the last lineup, they got, had a few players. And in yeah. fact, when, you, when you're listening to the commentary, the commentator is going like, oh, this could be an academy goal, so to speak. You know, So one academy player passing to another. So it was really interesting to listen to that. Um, and I think it's been a nice mix for him. Um, whether he will go to Manchester United, that's a big call. We've seen managers going from uh, former Liverpool managers going to become an Everton manager. So I don't know how the Liverpool, the United fans will actually receive him, right? When things mm-hmm. are going bad, they're going to turn their back on, on the manager like Brendan Rodgers fairly quickly, like what the Everton fans are doing with Rafa Benitez now. So I'm um, not sure about that. I'm not sure if he's the manager for, for Manchester United, unfortunately. I think with, with Brendan Rodgers, you don't ask for a selfie. You ask if he's got a photo of his painting of himself. Ah, uh, right, then so. he'll show you. Then he'll... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, the League Cup draw for the quarterfinals actually takes place on Saturday, 5.30pm our time. Uh, some of the other clubs have made it through. Chelsea needed penalties. Des against Southampton. Thomas Tuchel can do no wrong at the moment, whoever he puts out. I mean, Ross Barkley had a nice run out in this one as well. Um, he's, yeah. he's probably the, the best manager at the moment in terms of results. Well, he's, he's got a really good squad and he's got, I mentioned this last week, I think, both Man City and uh, Liverpool now, but also Chelsea. We, we've spoken about the ridiculous amounts of money they spend, or I have at length over the last uh, decade or so. But now they're bringing products from their youth development they are they, they've got this academy and they're using it very sensibly in two ways they're they're selling some players on but they're giving opportunities to uh, kids coming through the academy and you've got to admire it through gritted teeth 
but Chelsea are becoming a, a team who are becoming self-sustaining. And Manchester City say they want to become a self-sustaining um, uh, club as well, which is a very welcome to, to this correspondent anyway, um, because it means that we're, we're not just reliant upon ridiculous amounts of money to get through. So I'm, 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 I'm not thrilled that Chelsea are through, but I, I'm, you've got to admire the way that Abramovich is now running it and it's becoming self-sustaining and uh, young players are coming through. They're still spending ridiculous amounts of money as well, but it's with young talent as well. And I just think that's good for football. I think that's good for the English league. Mm. All right. Elsewhere, Arsenal 2, Leeds United, Neil Callum Chambers on the score sheet there. Sunderland needed penalties against Queen's Park Rangers. It was 0-0 after 90 minutes. Brentford won 2-1 at Stoke and Tottenham won 1-0 at Burnley. As I say, the, the, the sorry, yeah. Uh, just uh, going back to that QPR game. Uh, did anyone see the offside goal? Yes. No, I did not. At all, is it? Not at all. Oh is my it? god! Oh my god! <laughs> no I mean, VAR, and that is why, course, right? And that is why you probably need VAR, Des. No, you don't need VAR. You just need better linesmen. <laughs> you need like the they, to put his flag up when it's offside like they had in the good old days all right um carabao cup quarterfinal draw happening saturday evening 5 30 p.m we're off our first break we are back previewing game week 10 on the ball on bfm 89.9 to have real confidence to deceive the goalkeeper like that. This is completely, completely fools Ederson, who's just not expecting Vardy to go with that kind of cheek. On the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, Des Corkill, Craig Marias and Sassy Kumar from Singapore joining us. I keep having to say from Singapore. Excellent. <laughs> just to put a bit more glamour onto it. But um, so happy you're joining us. Uh, we're talking about Leicester against Arsenal now. It is the early kickoff. I think the clocks go back this weekend, don't they? Sunday, yeah. uh, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah. And so for Saturday, it is still 7.30pm. Leicester in ninth, Arsenal in 10th. We've already spoken about how well Brendan Rodgers has got Leicester running uh, this season after a slowish start. You could say the same, Sassi, for, for Arsenal and Mikel Arteta. Of course, they started with three defeats and they've slowly come back now. Uh, yeah. moving along nicely. Yeah, I mean, I was really surprised to see Arteta survive. Uh, week after week, people were calling for his head. He kind of turned the team around. Now they're playing some decent football. Still the 10th, uh, not there, you know, where they really want to finish or where they really want to belong. Uh, but I must say that they've kind of turned um, the corner a little bit. But can they be really challenging for fourth, fifth, sixth? I, I don't think so with the squad they have. But you know, they are playing better football, but at the end of the day, I think uh, come the December window, there's a lot of talk about different players leaving. Uh, so it could be an interesting moment for them, but I'm sure they enjoy the current moment, the current form, and especially Smith Rowe is playing really well. And I thought uh, he's one of those outstanding players who kind of at the moment carrying the team. And if he can stay injury-free or suspension-free, I think uh, Arsenal might enjoy a good run. But 
Um, where they finish, I think will be the one that will determine whether the Arsenal fans are happy because all you need to ask is the Arsenal TV fans. As, you know, the, the guys that over there to see where, you know, will you be happy if uh, Arsenal finish 10? And, and, and the answer is, I think, uh, a resounding no, right? They, they don't want to finish 10. They want to finish top four. Well, both Arsenal and Leicester are currently locked on 14 points <laughs> after nine matches. So a win would push the winner up to fifth, at least temporarily. Now, Arsenal hoping to extend their unbeaten streak to seven. Currently, four wins, two draws in that run. Uh, for Leicester, uh, I, I mean, I, I look at Yuri Tielemans, Craig Marias, and I think that guy scored two worldlies in the last two, le uh, two league games for Leicester. Uh, that last one, uh, last week, was just astounding. It was it was a thing of beauty when it, it just arrowed in. He's good. Leicester have got a really good squad of players, haven't they? Yeah, I mean the technique um, involved. I, I, I still, I'm still adamant that the uh, the one against Man United was yeah, across. Same here. I, 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 I don't think he meant that at all. Um, yeah, uh, so so let's leave that one out. Um, <laughs> but but the rocket, the rocket last week. Wow. I mean, wow, talk about right. technique. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's one thing that um, I've always said about Tielemans, uh, which is he doesn't add enough numbers to his game. Fantastic player, technically, everything. You know, he plays for the Belgian national team and it takes some doing to get into that first 11 as well. Um, but it just lacks. I mean, what is he? Is he a 10? Is he an 8? I mean, he's more of an 8, obviously, but he's not a defensive midfielder. But there's just not enough assists and goals. Um, to his game and, and and I say that because I mean that's what all fantastic midfielders need these days I mean when you look at it and we talk about the top midfielders you straight away he's look got at time it. though Craig he's what 24 oh, yeah, yeah. or something right he's young he's young he's young he's, he's got a lot of time and and I'm just talking about in the now I mean yeah. let's not let's not talk about what he will or what he can be um, and, and I think that's why when you talk about some of the best midfielders in the Premier League uh, you don't his name doesn't necessarily crop up However, you know, it seems that this, uh, that this season he's got more of a license to go forward. He's got more of a license uh, to be involved. Um, maybe it's because James Madison hasn't really been putting the numbers. His, his performances have dropped. Yes, he scored last week. But in general, the last 12 months have been really poor from him. So Tielemans has kind of taken that on himself uh, and said, hey, look, you know, I, I'm going to step up. I'm going to be the man in this Leicester team, apart from Jamie Vardy. Um, and, and, you know, and he's taking on that responsibility. But what a player, um, absolute uh, cracking player. Um, great, uh, great goal last week. And I think we're going to see a lot, lot more from him this week, uh, this season. I, I really mm. do. Um, uh, he's an he's a all-rounded footballer, um, but his best work can be done in the final third. I tell you what, Brendan Rodgers must be dreading January and the window coming round. Great point. Great, great point, Ross. That's yeah. the thing. I mean, I think Leicester at some stage will have to kind of decide what kind of club they, they are. You know, are they going to be one of these clubs that sell their best players to the bigger clubs? I mean, we've seen that over the last couple of years, Chilwell, Maguire. Um, or are they going to say, hey, look, you know, we're going to do everything in our power to, to keep these guys. We're going to turn down ridiculous sums of money and we're going to, we're going to make a go for the league. We're going to be part of those so-called big clubs. And uh, we want to consistently challenge for the league. Uh, it has to happen at some stage. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Another Leicester City player who's who's on form and probably knocking on the door for a, a start is Patson Dacca, who's turned in some great performances. 
lately. Des, this one is, is really evenly poised, don't you think, Leicester Arsenal? Which way are you leaning and why? Oh, fence-sitting. Um, I, I looked at the Arsenal team last week and I had to look again and again because it has changed so dramatically over the last uh, few months. I mean, Ben White, Tommy Asu and Ramsdale coming in at the back. It's, it's virtually a brand new Arsenal side. And so that might explain a little bit of the inconsistency, a little bit of the, the slow start. I knew they'd made changes, but then you've got uh, Thomas Partey coming in uh, with um, Lokonga. And so that's the central midfield. It's a completely new team that um, Arteta has put out. So I think you've got to give them a, a little bit of time to, to work through it, because this now is his team. But they showed in um, the draw against Palace when they didn't deserve a, a point, but they had spirit to come back. They showed in the, the goals they scored against Aston Villa, uh, a little bit of fortune as well, that they are now becoming a team knocking on the, top, on, on the door of the top four, maybe not quite making it, but certainly top six. And it's a young team. So I'm seeing Arteta doing good things. So to answer your question, uh, Leicester are good enough to, to, to get something, but I, I fancy Arsenal for this. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Wilfred Ndidi remains sidelined. He's got a hamstring problem. Apparently, Mark Albrighton isn't ready yet for return. James Justin Wesley for Fana, long-term absentees. Uh, ben White, Kieran Tierney, Odegaard and Pablo Mari for Arsenal are all doubtful. They will all need late tests. Granit Xhaka, of course, is out with a long-term knee problem. It is a 7.30pm kickoff. Arsenal away at Leicester City. It is 9th Leicester against 10th Arsenal. Liverpool in 2nd. Take on 5th place Brighton. This one is Saturday at 10pm. Two 5-0 wins now for Liverpool in their last two Premier League games. They're looking to only become the third side, Sassi, to win three Premier League games in a row by five or more. Can they do it? I mean, Brighton this season are not the Brighton of seasons gone by, right? Actually, I, I like the way Brighton play. I think last couple of seasons, they play good football. It's just that they just can't seem to find the back of the net. They always struggle with that. And uh, they have not fixed the problem since. But uh, in set plays and corners, you can you you can be sure that they can be big threats. But they're up against a Liverpool side. This Liverpool side, um, it pains me to say as an Everton fan that this this Liverpool side is on. I mean, they they're a league of their own. By the way, I think there are three teams that uh, are running away: Manchester City, um, of course, uh, Chelsea, and um, and this Liverpool team. And the more impressive thing that I've been noticing about uh, Liverpool is Salah. I think we, we have to talk about him because every week he's trying to score a goal that's a contender for goal of the season, right? <laughs> and he, he seems to be trying to outdo himself. And he's probably the best player in the world for me right now. And the goals he scores, I mean, it's like Messi-like, right? So if Messi was scoring this goal, we go like, wow, you know, Ballon d'Or for sure, right? And... Uh, but, but that's what he brings. And I think also now with the front three of Liverpool, they sort of come back to the same form they were a couple of seasons ago. So they all are playing in tandem now and very, very hard to stop them. So I don't see um, Brighton stopping them. I only can see goals coming. And you might be right there when you say it could be another 5 nil uh, win for <laughs> And Des will only moan next week. No, not again. <laughs> not more righteousness. <laughs> Mo Salah's hat-trick has now taken him to 10 Premier League goals after just nine matches played. He's only the third player to reach double figures before the 10th match of the campaign. Les Ferdinand 
did it in 95-96, and Dominic Calvert-Lewin of Everton did it last season. But Salah, I mean, Sassy is right, Craig. Salah is, is, is different gravy this season. Personal goal of the season, real, he's compiling for us all. Um, I mean, th- there's a lot of talk about the contract extension. How important is it for Liverpool to tie this guy down and tie him down like now? Uh, I mean, I think it goes without saying. Uh, to be honest with you, like you said, you know, best player in the world is, is it's not even a question. It's not even a debate. Yes, they're going to throw, you know, Lewandowski, uh, his name about. I, I just feel it, it's been a long time coming. I mean, Salah's numbers have been absolutely ridiculous for the last five, five years. Is it five years since he's been there, uh, Des? Yeah, I, I think ever since he, he's come as a as a midfielder. And I think that's what we, we have to class it as. Um, he's been doing, you know, 20 plus goals a season, 30 plus goals a season um, in some seasons, you know, and and you go back to about 10 years ago when Ronaldo was doing that and, and, and Messi was doing that. And, you know, it was just both of them. And there's absolutely no reason uh, why he, sh- he can't be winning that award. Um, I, in my personal opinion, he has to um, because, I mean, the level that he's gone on to this season is, is just different. You know, whether it's, you know, every part of his game, his movement, his finishing, um, it's just all there. He's kind of like just put it all together Um, and not say that he wasn't a complete player before, but he's just doing it with such ease. I mean, some some of these goals, I mean, we talk about the highlight, really. It's like, you know, he's being controlled on a PlayStation controller. I mean, (laughs) um, Sassy, I think your boys will be scoring those kind of goals um, on FIFA. Uh, you know, it's 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 one of those where you just sometimes you just can't believe, you know, the skill that he's done. And he was doing it against Man City, you know, defending champions. You know, for one, I mean, we're not talking about these lower teams. It's against Man City. And he's, he's just, it's incredible. So, um, yeah, for me, um, if he's playing, if he's in the squad, I mean, there's, there's not even a debate about the, the, the result here. It's a Liverpool win. Um, I think, I think uh, Sassi touched upon it. You know, uh, Grand Potter, very good coach. Uh, Brighton play, you know, an attractive style of football. Is it suited to the position that they're in? I don't know. I don't think so. But it, it'll always be enough to just keep them up and and within the division. So um, I think they'll be happy with that. You know, there's no real European ambitions going on there, which is fair. Quick score prediction from Des as we go into the break. Five nil, Des. Uh, no, not 5 0. I think Brighton are, are, are stodgy enough to make this awkward for Liverpool. Liverpool have got one or two injury problems in midfield as well. It's not all about Salah. They've, they've got to ferry the ball to him. But a Liverpool victory. But I hope that it's not a 5 0 because then people will get stupidly carried away. Uh, but a Liverpool victory um, by one or two. Alexis McAllister has scored two in his last seven for Brighton. He scored one in his first 30. So having a good season. Brighton now. <laughs> it is it is a 10 p.m. kickoff. Liverpool in second against Brighton in fifth. We're off for another break. See you on the other side of this. Big deep breath. Salah thumps it in as if he means it. On the ball on BFM 89.9. On the ball on BFM 89.9. And we are back. Thanks for sticking with us. There's Cole Gill, Craig Marias, and Sasikuma joining me this Friday evening. 
to look forward to the weekend's game week 10. Of course, you can follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook as well. Don't forget to sort out your fantasy football teams. Our BFM League this season is brought to you by my-soccer.com. Get your ole in long sleeve shirts from them straight away, I say. <laughs> uh, right, on with the football uh, this weekend. So um, We're building up. We're building up to the Tottenham Man United game. Uh, Man City, who are third, take on Crystal Palace, who are 15th at the moment. It's a Saturday 10 p.m. kickoff. Let's go. Let's go talk about City first. Um, this season, uh, Pep Guardiola Sassi, seems to have bedded in Phil Foden nicely into that Man City. Well, I was going to say Man City midfield, but Man City anywhere, upper half of, of the pitch. And he seems to bed in very nicely as well. Phil Foden's got three league goals. He seems to play well every time we see him. Yeah, he's an amazing talent. I think last season, right at the end of last season, uh, there was a interview, I think it was a post-match, um, and the, I think the reporter asked Pep Guardiola about Phil Foden, and he, he mentioned that Phil Foden will want to play more, more games in the coming season, and he should play, and he will play, and that's what he said. I think he's keeping to his promise and giving a lot of uh, time, playing time for Phil Foden, and every time he plays, I just get a feeling that he's getting better and better and better. Um, and for me, what's impressive is that uh, he's one of those players that can really get out of tight situations, in, in modern football, you don't see a lot of players like Phil Foden. Um, quick feet, and he's got great skills, let alone an English player, right? We haven't, haven't seen a creative English player in a long, long time. People talk about Jack Grealish, but I think it's a different mold. Phil Foden is a different sort of player. And I think every time he gets the ball in the, in the final half, he creates an opportunity for not just himself, but also for the fellow strikers as well. So I think he's one for the future. And I, I won't be surprised that if he becomes one of the best players in the world in, in the next four to five years, because he's such a talent. And I think he, he understands football, which is which is even more impressive. This this Crystal Palace side, though, this season, we, we've already remarked that it's it's a lot more solid under Patrick Vieira. They're currently, what, 16th? Uh, they've had six draws, one win, two losses, six draws. Uh, nine points from a possible 27. A bit misleading, the six draws. They played really well in some of the games and, and just been really unlucky, Des. But, um, you know, the last game against Newcastle, if it's a 1-1 draw at home, I, I haven't got a lot to say about that, really. Um, a little bit inconsistent. I wouldn't say they're more solid. I think they're just a better team. Because under Roy Hodgson, they were dour and solid and 4-4-1-1 and boring as hell. Patrick Vieira has, has revolutionised what they're doing. The results are misleading. It's only one win in the last 10. But as you say, they've been good enough to actually have deserved a win at the Emirates against Arsenal. The Newcastle game was a, a little bit inconsistent. But like with Arsenal, they're a, a team bedding in under a new coach. And I'm loving the way they are not scared to have a go at teams. They're not scared to, um, to concede goals because they, they believe in their two central defenders, Anderson and Guehi with um, uh, uh, Giata behind them. So I think I'm, I'm, I've become a fan of Palace in the pre-season. Uh, they were one of my tips to go down because uh, I wasn't sure that Patrick Vieira would be able to, 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 to bring anything really useful to the table. But I tell you what, he's brought a lot to the table and he's getting the best out of Christian Benteke as well. Benteke at his best is a beast of a centre forward. 
and he's looking a little bit more mobile. He's still got the aerial prowess. I think this Palace side on their day are good enough to, to compete with any, any team. And they've got a decent record at, uh, at uh, Manchester City, you know. There could be a, a real sting in the cards here. Benteke is relearning his trade all over again, including how to actually celebrate goals. It's been that long. It really, it really, <laughs> it really has. Do, do you reckon, Craig, do you reckon in, in, when January comes around, Pep will splash money on, on that number nine? Or do you reckon Man City are going along nicely? Why, 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 why rock the boat? Yeah, I think it's that. And uh, let's not forget, he'll have uh, Ferran Torres come back as well. Um, and I think that's, you know, who he's set on at the start of the season to, to be his number nine. Uh, but, I mean, just as Sassi mentioned just now, Phil Foden has done an incredible job to, to kind of fill in that uh, position um, in the meantime while, while Torres recovers. Because, um, you know, his last few games, I mean, let's not talk about the, the penalty miss in midweek, but, um, you know, his last couple of games, he's, he, he's been unplayable, you know, and, and I agree with Sassi. In, in four to five years or in his career, he can be anything he wants to be, anything. Um, and he will be one of the best players in the world, in, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't see City splashing the cash for a striker. First of all, um, I, I don't really know who's out there uh, for, for, for them to get in January. Mm. Um, we, we, uh, we heard, we heard reports this week that they had a failed bid uh, at Romelu Lukaku. So they, they were looking for a number nine. Lewandowski, well, I mean, we I'm thinking, that. name that pops in my head. Yeah, we knew that with, with Harry Kane, though, didn't we? Um, yeah. That they were after number nine. I, I don't think it was a secret. Um, but, you know, I don't think there's, there's a short-term fix in, in, in January. They've got some really good players in their academy. Um, I know we sp spoke about it. Cole Palmer. He's not an out-and-out -out striker, but he's done well when he's played. Uh, there's Liam Delap, uh, Rory Delap's son. Um, who, who's been making good waves in the academy as well. Um, and he got given a couple of opportunities last season. So uh, I, I know Pep's a big fan of him. He's come out and he's spoken about him. So maybe he might just do that. I mean, we, one thing we know about Pep is that um, always expect the unexpected. Um, and, you know, he, he's got a habit of doing that. Let's not forget Raheem Sterling as well. Still struggling to break into that team. You know, he's mm. played majority of his games in that number nine role as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of players that can kind of fill in without being out and out number nines, which I think um, suits them. And we're not talking, we're talking about number nines. We're not talking about the only number nine that they have at the club. I mean, how's that even possible? Yeah. Gabriel Jesus. Yeah. He, he's the he's a he's an out and out number nine, a right winger now. A right winger now. <laughs> you know, it, as I said, always expect the unexpected. They have a striker there, but he plays out wide for whatever reason. So um, yeah, I mean, sometimes I mean you can't have a go at Pep because he knows what he's doing and the results are there. And Gabriel has just has actually been really good at that right hand side yeah, as well. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, uh, they have a striker, not using it. Baron Torres to come back. Will they splash in January? No. All right. Well, Ferran Torres will be expected back in November sometime. Raheem Sterling apparently has a bit of a lower back injury, so they'll keep an eye on him. For Crystal Palace, Nathan Ferguson is out with a shin problem. Eberechi Eze is still out, lower leg problem. Uh, he's out long term, which he's a big miss for Palace because he, he would bring a lot to this Palace side. Man City third against Crystal Palace 15th is Saturday at 10 p.m. Uh, Newcastle in, well, second from bottom, in 19th. 
take on top of the table Chelsea, chasing their first win of the season with absolutely billions of pounds in the bank, which they can do nothing about right now, Sassi. Um, they, <laughs> will they kickstart the season this weekend? I mean, St. James's Park will be full. They'll, they'll be jovial. There'll be a lot of noise as well. No more Steve Bruce to moan at now. But then Chelsea come calling. It's it's a reality check, right? Yeah, let's not forget, money is not going to solve everything, right? So they need still, the money is not going to play football. Can't buy you it's, love, mate. Can't buy you love. It's <laughs> <laughs> the footballers who are going to go on the, on the pitch, on the park and do the job. And right now, they don't have the personnel. They are where they are because they have a squad that is just not good enough to compete. they couple got a couple of good players, but uh, they don't have enough to, to compete with the likes of uh, Chelsea. So um, I would say they would require another three, four, five windows until they, they spend all the money they can, buy the best players they can, and be competitive with the likes of Chelsea and Liverpool and Man City. But right now, especially this weekend, let, I mean, before the, the Newcastle fans get carried away, this could be another drubbing, let's not forget. When Chelsea are, you know, on song, and we saw that last week as well, uh, they can score a lot of goals and they, they can't hurt this Newcastle side because uh, that's what Chelsea are capable of. They play good football. We, I think early on in the show, we talked about how good uh, Thomas Tuchel is. Uh, he's very clinical. He, he's got, he's, he comes across to me as one of those managers um, who doesn't let emotions get in the way. He's very clinical, typical German. He wants to get the job done. And you pick the best players to go out there and do a job. So uh, I'm looking forward to this game because um, with all the euphoria in the last couple of weeks about the billions and billions of dollars coming, this could be a, a very nice crash landing for, for, for Newcastle. Well, uh, Nathan Jones, interim coach at Newcastle, he would do well if he'd been training the team on defending. Apparently, Newcastle can see 2.22 goals per game on average, Des <laughs> Per game for 90 minutes. I mean, that in any book is just not good enough. Um, they're going to have to, with the players they have, try and be more solid. If you're like, maybe be boring, but try and hold Chelsea off. Yeah, I'm, I'm just imagining the motivational talk for Newcastle coming into this game. All right, lads, I want you to really, really give everything so we can replace you. <laughs> Remember, you're all playing for the new guy's position, you're, right? You're all playing to, you're all putting yourself in the shop window. Defensively, I tell you what, I, I've liked Newcastle more this season than I did last season because they've tried to come out and win games of football. It's meant that they've they've conceded um, more goals. And they conceded some bad goals. Uh, you, th you think of the four against Manchester United when Ronaldo got all of, all of his um, plaudits, but they were they were holding on, looking very solid, and then a goalkeeping error gives Ronaldo his first goal. Ronaldo's right place, right time. But they've conceded bad goals, and if you concede bad goals, that runs through the whole team. So no matter how um, entertaining you are or how um, attractive you try to play, no matter how many goals Callum Wilson scores, and I like Wilson, um, and Maxim, of course, uh, we, we like him as well. But if you're conceding two and a half goals a game, you're not going to, to win <laughs> matches. They, I, I, I hope they take it to Chelsea. You know, you know yeah. what I'm like. Yeah. But they, if they do, as Sassy said, they risk getting an absolute mauling. And then the Saudis will pull their money out. And then <laughs> that will be a story. <laughs> um, uh, if, if Callum Wilson's going to do it, he's going to have to try and beat Edouard Mendy. Mendy has a yeah, safe sure. percentage of 96.2%. 
this season. Highest of any Premier League goalkeeper. I mean, Craig, they're famously without Romelu Lukaku, Chelsea, in this game, but it doesn't matter. We saw last weekend it was seven against Norwich, even without Lukaku. Yeah, it seems that they score more goals without Lukaku than when they have him. And uh, <laughs> yeah, quite, quite weird, that one. But um, yeah, it, it's good. I mean, you talk about that Mendy stat. I mean, let's talk about that back line. I mean, we talk about, you know, the, the wealth of attackers that they have. But how good have they been at the back? I mean, Mendy has, has obviously played his part in it. Um, but what's impressed me is, you know, when they've had to chop and change the back three in front of them, you know, they're still able to function as a unit. Um, you know, Aspen, and that's good question. coaching, right? Great coaching, great defensive <laughs> coaching. <laughs> um, so you've got Aspi that's there. You've got, um, you know, Rudiger. Christensen's been superb. Yeah. He's been great. Um, then you got you look at the side and you see Thiago Silva there. Um, you look at Malang Sar, who, who played the yeah. other day out of nowhere. You know, I think even Chelsea fans were like, who's this kid? Um, <laughs> but, you know, he's, he's been there for a few years. Um, and then Chaloba. Who, who's come through uh, yeah. this season, been been fantastic for them, scored a couple of goals as well in the Premier yeah. League already. Um, so so they, they still fun- manage to function as a unit, even on the left-hand side, whether it's Chilwell, Alonso, on the right, whether it's, you know, Hudson-Odoi or, or Reese James, you know, they're still able to to still be compact. Everyone knows their duties. Um, you know, it, it, it's really good. It's a functioning unit. So, um, you know, credit to Tuchel and, and, and the Chelsea backline, you know, because they, they won't get that recognition um, because obviously, you know, the, the attackers get it all. Uh, but like, like the boys, you know, you, I can't see any upset here. I mean, I think Chelsea are just too good. Um, and, you know, they, they, they're just on this, this wave. I mean, 7-0 in the, in the, in the last game, you know, is going to give them all a lot of confidence. Um, Newcastle 19th, Chelsea first, uh, Saturday, 10 PM kickoff, final break back with Ole's big one next. Mason Mount has scored a speculative hit from a fairway out. But Chelsea now, from a fairway out, have a view perhaps of something profitable. On the ball on BFM 89.9. United scything through their defence. And Marcus Rashford in the right place at the right time to double the lead. On the ball on BFM 89.9. And here we are, Sassy, Des, and Craig joining me to preview game week 10. Tottenham against Manchester United is sixth versus seventh. Um, I'm coming to you first, Sassy. Where do you want to start? Do, do you okay? Let me ask you this. Do you feel any 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 sorriness for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer right now and, and the hardship he's, he's going through? Uh, let me start by saying this is called the El Sakiko. Is that what it's called? <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Uh, yeah, so both managers on the line here. So, But let me come back to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. From the start, I always felt that he was uh, a very poor um, appointment because when you look at uh, his history, his background, coming to a club like Manchester United, you probably need a bigger manager. Bigger managers have not survived there. Like Jose Mourinho, Van Hal, and all these guys have not survived Manchester United. And for some reason, I don't know what, um, the Manchester United board felt that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, being an ex-player of the club and an ex-legend as well, is going to do the job. I don't think so. Uh, very interestingly, if you, if you read in between the lines, I just get a feeling that he's lost the dressing room. 
and especially um, having the, the last incident kind of was telling for me when he left Ronaldo out and then there was Sir Alex Ferguson with the MMA fighter Khabib saying that um, Ronaldo should start right in the VIP box and that started circulating. So you can see that there's some sort of um, uh, cracks appearing within the club even Sir Alex Ferguson not agreeing with the lineup. I'm pretty sure you saw his expression last week when they got absolutely hammered by Liverpool. It was not a good sight. Whereas on the other end, we saw Kenny Dalglish smiling with a big, big smile there. So I think it's a serious issue with the manager. They are a good team. And I still say this, Harry Maguire is not worth £80 million. He's not uh, the defender we, we, we knew he was. Um, they really need to make two or three changes and, and that squad is solid. Um, for yeah. some strange reason, Ole is not getting the best out of the team. And yeah, the big question is who's going to be next? Who's going to take over? Yeah, well, it's a big game for, for the Norwegian. But all right, sticking with, with the football side here, and I'm coming to you, Des, and I'm, we, we heard Newcastle concede 2.22 games per goal. Spurs are 1.7 goals per game. That's been their problem this season. And if you look at Man United's expected, Man United actually have no problem scoring goals. They could they concede two. But Spurs' 1.7 goals per game could be a problem. It certainly could. And Spurs actually started off the season with, I think it was three clean sheets in a yeah. very, very quick time. And they were three wins out of three. Um, I suppose you point at... At the defenders, you pointed to Eric Dyer and you pointed to uh, is is he a, a quality player? I've never been uh, sold by Loris. Never. I know he's won World Cups. I know he's been there. But to me, I, I I've never ever believed that he is going to dominate a back four. That he's going to uh, push push a team forward. Um, Tottenham at their best if they go forward and all their players are clicking can be really good. They can score goals. But defensively, I put this down to. Not, not down solely to Hugo Lloris, but I don't think he's a, a Mendy, as, as you just mentioned, for Chelsea. I don't think he's an Allison. I don't think he's in that quality. And if Tottenham are looking for a top four place or a, a place at the very top table, you've got to have an outstanding goalkeeper. And mm. he's a brilliant shot stopper. He's um, got incredible reactions and one-on-one -on -one very good as well. But goalkeeping to me is always about much more than that. And I'm always amazed that Loris has, has um, been such a favourite for so many teams that have done so well. I think that that um, maybe is one of Tottenham's problems. Um, I don't know how you replace it. I don't think the replacements are at the club. But you need to start with that solidity. Uh, Man United got a great goalkeeper. They've just got... I've said this, and Craig laughed at me when I said this, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer does not pick that team. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is not in charge at Manchester United. He is being told that he must pick Ronaldo. So if he's not in charge, then there's a problem, not with um, so much Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but with a hierarchy above him not supporting him. That, to me, is just so, so obvious. The players United have got with that squad should be not be losing 5-0 at home to Liverpool. Uh, that, that's a disgrace from Manchester United's point of view. But I don't think Ole is in charge. Mm. All right. Uh, Spurs have no injury issues to contend with, apart from Brian Hill, who has a hamstring, hamstring problem. Uh, Sessegnon's out. Della Ali will, will hope to be. I was reading that Della Ali might be even surplus to require, uh, requirements at Spurs. They, they might let him go. He was the number 10, what, a couple of seasons ago, right? For, for club and country. 
Uh, all right, for United, Rafael Varane could return from his recent tie injury. Now, Craig Marias, how would you change up this United side from the 11 fielded against Liverpool at Old Trafford last weekend? Would you, would you change all 11 players? How would you go about it? Yeah, it's a tough one, really, because you know, United played their strongest team out. Um, and, um, you know, I, I still maintain that I disagree with Des um, in regard to that, because if that was the case, then Ronaldo wouldn't have been dropped in the first instance. Um, and then going on what, um, what Sassi said, um, you know, every, everyone's entitled to their opinion. And that was Alex Ferguson's opinion. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. So, I mean, uh, they, yeah, I don't, I don't know where he was going with that one, but. Uh, in terms of the team selection for, for, for this weekend, I think Ole's in a very tough place because he, he'll look at the team that he fielded there and, well... But that, th- those are that, the that, questions, right? I mean, do you start with Cavani as your nine who will close down from yeah, the so, front? Yeah, so so you've got um, the, the striker situation, but then you saw as well in that split, I don't know how Ronaldo's goal was disallowed, by the way. I'm still struggling to understand how he was offside. Um, but you know, there's that with the with the pressing and, and and Cavani coming in. Does Bruno Fernandes get dropped? I mean, we what's going on with Van der Beek? I mean, that that really puzzles me. Um, I, I don't think Bruno Fernandes' performances have been great. I think he needs a rest. I mean, he plays nearly every game for us. Um, and likewise at the back, you know, I thought you know, Maguire obviously is an easy target, uh, for, for everyone, but Luke Shaw. I mean, absolutely shocking. I thought he was the worst player on the pitch, if you, if you ask me. And if you break down the goals, um, I mean, everything came from that side of the pitch as well. Um, I, I think, you know, is, is it time for him to, to get a rest? I'm not a massive fan of uh, Alex Tellez, to be honest with you. <laughs> but it doesn't seem that we have anyone else. Um, yeah, even Harry Maguire, for that instance, you know, does, does he deserve a rest? Plays a lot of football as well. Um, I, I think, uh, and, I, and I've said this before, I don't think Ole rotates the team enough. Yeah. He, he doesn't rotate and utilise his squad enough. And I think you, you get to see that after a while. I think Bruno's played 90% of games since he's come to United. Harry Maguire, same thing. You know, there, are, there, there will come a time when these players are overused. And, and let's not forget, you know, they play 90 minutes for their, club, uh, their countries as well uh, when they go off on international breaks. They haven't really had that, that sufficient mm. rest. So um, whether that has to do with it, um, maybe a bit, but the coaching at United is just not good enough right now. And and I don't usually do this. I've been a big defender of Ole, right? Uh, but last week was unacceptable on on many levels, unacceptable. And I think he should have done the right thing and 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 just packed it in and resigned. I don't say that often. I think United board should have done that. Um, who we got to replace him? That's a tough question because Conte is very rigid, very um, Mourinho esque. And, and I don't think that's what United need, but I think he needed to be relieved of his duties and, and the club failed to do that and he failed to be the bigger man and, and step aside. All right. Well, there you go. It's a massive game for Ole and Man United. Also quite big for Nuno and Spurs. It is uh, Sunday, half past midnight, that one. So it's your late Saturday night game. Just enough time for a quick, quick word about Aston Villa against West Ham. We've already spoken about how, how well... West Ham have done under Moyes this season. And, and you know, that's good hard work that he's done there, bringing all, all the old Everton ethics to, to West Ham now. Um, but what about Aston Villa? Dean Smith's already had his honeymoon period. We understand they lost Jack Grealish. They had a lot of money, Sassy. They, they bought quite well, we all said, at the start of the season. 
But the results haven't said so, though, have they? No, not at all. I, I think uh, it might have been Des uh, a couple of weeks ago on my show. We talked about this, um, buying good players um, and perhaps using the, the proceeds from Jack Grealish's uh, transfer quite well, bringing in three players. But unfortunately, I think they did not, that did, really did not translate that into results on the pitch. Um, they are another side that you don't know which side is going to turn up, right? They, if they feel good, they play well, they pick up three points. If they don't feel good, they can get hammered. So <laughs> one of those teams in the Premier League where you, if you're a betting man, you probably won't pick them because you don't know what's going to happen with them, right? So um, that's where I, I mean, that's my first impression of uh, Aston Villa. They can be a handful when they want to, uh, but they just, again, there's one of those sides where they have players um, who can turn games around, but they also have players that absolutely, you know, won't turn up and won't give uh, give a good fight. So they want, again, one of those teams in mid-table, they will not get relegated, but they'll just be there. Uh, sorry, we haven't got more time to, to spend on this. Aston Villa against West Ham is a Monday, half past midnight. So it's your Super Sunday game, that one. Everton are in action uh, Monday night, Tuesday morning, our time. We'll preview that on our Monday show. We're just about out of time. So many thanks to Craig Marias. Thank you very much, mate. And uh, let's hope we get three points this week. <laughs> oh, Craig. Oh, Craig. Um, <laughs> uh, Sassy, I hope you enjoyed... Uh, Talk big on the other side of the mic this time. Yeah, no, thank, thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure to be back on your show again. Lovely. We're going to get you back on a bit more often, promise. And Des Corkill, a pleasure as always. And a reminder, the Malaysia Cup uh, kicks off once again this weekend. Uh, there are matches. It's a third round of the group stages. Six matches in the group stages going on. Uh, the one I'm looking at is Kuala Lumpur versus Sarawak United at Cheras. Okay, have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe, and uh, I'll speak to you on Monday. Bye now. Follow BFM Football on Facebook and catch On the Ball next Friday on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.